You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, today's Gospel reading puts before us the two great doctrines of the Christian faith, the law and the Gospel. And it does this in the form of two trick questions, really two riddles. The occasion is this, it's Holy Week, in fact it's Holy Tuesday, three days before the crucifixion, and Jesus is in Jerusalem, he's teaching in the temple. This is in fact the last time that Jesus would teach in public until he preaches his seven words from the cross. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are there, they've been plotting how to arrest Jesus but they're afraid of the crowds, and so they don't want to do anything in public. Uh, so they come to him in trickery to try to catch him. First, the Pharisees come, and they ask about taxes. Who should we pay taxes to? And they figured they'd get Jesus no matter which way he answered. If he said to pay taxes, then the people wouldn't follow him. If he said don't pay taxes, then they could have Pontius Pilate arrest him. But Jesus, remember, takes the coin and says, whose image is it? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and unto God what's God's. So then the Sadducees, who didn't believe in the resurrection, come to Jesus with this story. There was a woman whose husband died, and so she married his brother, and he died. And this happened to seven different men. And they asked, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? They thought they had Jesus tricked there. But Jesus condemns them, saying they neither know the Scriptures nor the power of God, and they can't get them. And then we get to our text, our gospel reading. They're going to give it one last try. The Pharisees, a lawyer, one of the great legal minds of the Pharisees, comes up to Jesus and asks a question that they had been stumped over, probably for centuries they'd been arguing about it, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, really, this is an easy question to answer. In fact, our confirmands can answer this question after their first or second day of confirmation class. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The Pharisees should have known this. But they had two theological problems that prevented them from confessing this clearly. The first is this. They had been busy for centuries piling up man-made laws on top of God's law. They had taken the commandments and they had expanded them beyond the laws given to Moses to include all sorts of instructions and restrictions in order to keep themselves set apart from the mass of humanity so that they could be the ones who are holy. In fact, that's what Pharisee means, the set-apart ones. The second problem they had was that the Pharisees had pitted different parts of the law against each other. And specifically this, they had separated love for God from love for their neighbor. In their attempts to be holy and pure, in other words, love for God, they had pushed aside their neighbor. Now, we see this a number of times in the Gospels. I mean, remember, for example, how offended the Pharisees were when Jesus would go and eat with sinners. They would never do that because they would distance themselves from their neighbor, their unclean neighbor, so that they would remain pure. Or remember how Jesus talks about the Pharisees 
and the Levites and the scribes in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here was this man stripped naked, beaten, half dead on the side of the road, and the Levite and the Pharisee come along, and instead of loving their neighbor to keep themselves pure according to the law, they walk on the other side of the road. They didn't want to touch them, lest they couldn't go and serve in the temple. In fact, in the very next chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, our reading is from Matthew 22, Matthew 23 is a sermon from Jesus where he, he's hammering the Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, Sadducees. Woe, woe, woe. And denouncing their hypocrisy. And this is one of the things that Jesus gets after. So here's some of that preaching. This is Matthew 23, verses 23 to 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And there you see it. They were serving God in the temple to the neglect of their own vocations. These, the weightier things, you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat to swallow a camel. Woe to you, Jesus continues, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So that the Pharisees were misusing the law. They used the law to exalt themselves. They used the law to destroy their neighbor. They used the love of God and their great holiness as an excuse to neglect their neighbor, in fact, to despise their neighbor. They used their service in church and in the temple as an excuse to not care for their parents or the people that lived around them. And that's why these two reasons, that they had their own man-made laws and that they set the love of God and love of neighbor against each other, that's why they, they can't answer this question. What's the greatest commandment? And that's also why Jesus' answer to the question is so wonderful. Listen to how Jesus answers. Jesus says to this lawyer, to the Pharisee, who came to test him, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You have the first commandment, love God. You have the second table of the law, love your neighbor And these two, says Jesus, belong together. The second is like it. Now, I think there's enough for us to meditate on in this answer of Jesus for the rest of our lives. But but I want to put before you this morning one thing in particular. When Jesus says that the command to love our neighbor is like the command to love God, he is giving us a fantastic gift. He's saying this. When you love and serve and help your neighbor, I receive that as if you were doing it for me, loving and serving and helping me. 
Now, this is a constant teaching in the Scripture. Remember, for example, Matthew 25. Again, just a couple of chapters after this, when Jesus is talking about the judgment and the separation of the sheeps from the goats, and to the sheep, to the blessed, Jesus says, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Remember? So John the apostle says this. 1 John chapter 4, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now imagine just for a moment that we got news this morning that Jesus was going to come down for a special visit from the throne of God in heaven. He's going to come to church. He'd stay for refreshments and Bible class for sure. Then he's going to come to lunch at your house. Now imagine that. I mean, what a privilege that would be to, to have Jesus coming to visit. And think of what we would do if that was the case, how we would get ready for it, how how we would spare no expense, no effort to demonstrate our love and our thankfulness to Him. We would consider it the highest privilege of our lives to receive Him, to be hospitable to Him, to care for Him during His visit. Well, says Jesus in the text, I'm giving you that opportunity with every single one of your neighbors. Children, When you honor your father and your mother, you are serving your Lord Jesus. Parents, when you care for your children, you are blessing them as if you are blessing Jesus. Friends, when you take care of your friends, when you bless your neighbors, when you care for those who are in need, when you work hard at your vocation, to love those that the Lord has put into your life. You are serving and loving God Himself. The second is like the first, says Jesus. So we don't have to invent our own forms of holiness. We don't have to run away from our neighbors to stay pure. We don't have to spend all our money to figure out a way to serve God. The opportunities are right there always right in front of us. And for this we give thanks to God that He receives our love for our neighbor as if it was love straight for Him. Now this command to love God and our neighbors for which we rejoice and in which we give thanks is no doubt the doctrine of the law. And while we give thanks for it, it will always accuse us. Because, you can imagine, we never love as we should. 
In fact, I think that the more that we try to love our neighbor, the more we see how fear and laziness simply clings to us, to our flesh. We're afraid to serve and afraid to give and afraid to be generous to those in need because we might not have enough left over. Or so often, and maybe I'll just preach for my, to myself here for a little bit, so often I don't want to be good because it's just simply I don't want to. I'd rather sit around than get up and get after it. The Lord Jesus Christ stands in front of you, in each one of your neighbors, giving you the opportunity to serve and bless Him. And we haven't done it. This is the preaching of the law. The preaching of love. Which is always a preaching to us of repentance. So repent. Repent of your lovelessness. Repent of your sin. Repent of your fear and your laziness and your selfishness and your failure. Repent. But Jesus, He's not through with us. In fact, He's not even through with the Pharisees on Holy Tuesday. And He answers all their questions. But then He turns around and He puts a question to them. And this is the real riddle, and it's a riddle that they can't answer, but that we can. In fact, we want to look at the words carefully. It's verses 41 to 46 in the Gospel. If you want to read along and it helps you to see the words, I would invite you to do that. The text says, Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. Now that's the setup, and by the way, it's true what they say. The Messiah, the Christ, would be the son of Adam and the son of Noah and the son of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah. But the most recent promise was to King David that his son would sit on the throne eternally. And so the Pharisees are right to say that the Christ would be the son of David. So now Jesus puts this riddle before them. He quotes Psalm 110, which is a psalm of King David, and says, How is it then that David, in the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Now, let's see if we can sort it out. The key phrase that Jesus is talking about is the first one. The Lord said to my Lord. The first Lord in the phrase is God the Father. The my, remember, is King David, who wrote the psalm. And the second Lord is the Christ, the Messiah. So God the Father is talking to the Christ, but David here in the text calls the Christ his Lord. And Jesus simply asked this question to the Pharisees, how can this be? A father would never refer to his son as their Lord, so how does, or why does David do it here? And here's the Pharisees' response. The next verse. No one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day 
did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. <laughs> he silenced them. He stumped them. It's an amazing thing that the Pharisees, who were experts in the law, couldn't even sort out what the greatest commandment of the law was, and we know that they're not even going to have a chance when it comes to this doctrine, to the greatest teaching of the Bible, to the doctrine of Christ and His person and His work. But look, where the Pharisees are stumped, this is the best, where the Pharisees are stumped, our our confirmation children know the answer. Just like they know the greatest commandment. They know the answer to Jesus' riddle. How can Jesus be both David's son and David's Lord? Answer, because he is true God, begotten before the Father, begotten to the Father before all worlds, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary. He is David's son according to his human nature, but he is David's Lord according to his divine nature. See it? You see the answer to the riddle? Which means you are all wiser than the Pharisees. (laughs) But there's even more to it. Because Jesus is not only talking about his person, he's also teaching about his work. So look at the words that he quotes. Sit, God the Father says to God the Son, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Now, what are these enemies? Who are the enemies of God? I think in some way we could say that the devil is God's enemy, but what can the devil do to God? What does sin have to do with God? Can death touch God? No. These enemies, sin, death, and the devil, are our enemies. And yet when Jesus becomes a man, our brother, flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone, he takes upon himself even our enemies, so that now sin, death, and the devil are also his enemies, and he can fight against them. The devil can get to him. He can die. He can take upon himself sin. And this is exactly what he does. I mean, on the cross, Jesus is there bearing our sin. Dying your death, being destroyed by the devil in our place. He makes our enemies his enemies so that he can destroy them. Put them underneath his feet. What joy this gospel, this doctrine, this teaching of the good news. That Christ has assumed our human nature. That he has assumed our enemies. And that he has destroyed them that He has died and risen for us to forgive us our sins and rescue us from death and the devil. That He has done this where our works and our efforts and our love for God and our neighbor, where they fell short and we stood condemned, Jesus took that condemnation for us and demonstrates His perfect love, His complete love, by suffering and dying for us. Now this is our comfort and our confidence and our joy. The law teaches us to love God and love our neighbor, and it shows us that we have not done this. But the gospel shows us Christ, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, our Savior, 
who has redeemed us and forgiven us all of our sins. May the Holy Spirit keep us in these two great teachings, love and grace, law and gospel. And may by the gospel He keep us to eternal life. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.